I'm wondering how many of you know your, uh, the story of your baptism. I really don't know much about mine, to tell you the truth. I could tell you a lot about our daughters. I could pull out lots of pictures. I could pull out her baptismal gown, show you the bulletin, the banner a friend made celebrating that day. I could entertain you, I bet, for at least an hour showing you all those things. <laughs> but I won't. But I don't know much about my baptism. But here is what I know. I was baptized when I was a year and a half old, along with my sisters who were three and a half and five and a half years old. And we were brought to the font by our parents who as young parents recently had returned to the church um, after not attending for quite a while. There had been a new pastor at my family's, my father's home congregation. His name was <clears throat> Pastor Zemer, and they had developed this relationship with him. And it was through attending worship, faith formation, called Sunday School back then, and other activities at the church, their faith was fanned, and it grew, and they decided to have their children baptized. Now, I want you to know there's no picture of my family gathered around the font um, with my godparents. There's nothing like that at all. All I have to show you that I was baptized is my baptismal certificate. And it's really, I was looking through it, the liturgy is very similar to what we do today, but um, that's all I can show you, to show you that I was baptized, that I was baptized, I was washed in the living, life-giving water of God and made a child of God forever on November 16th, 1958. Here's the thing, nothing can ever change that promise that was made to me that day by God. Well, this week at our staff meeting, I asked those gathered around the table how many knew the story of their baptism. Each week, we gather to look at the scriptures we'll be using in worship and to do some theological reflection, to do some Bible study. So I asked them if anyone remembered their baptism, and I was amazed. Scott reminded us that he was baptized at the age of 26 here at Good Shepherd. And he was baptized here at Good Shepherd after attending a Kerygma Bible study for two years. And he said what he felt was wonderful about that day was that all the uh, people that had been in class with him came to be with him as he was baptized. And he really felt like he was surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, uh, um, as we say. Kevin has a similar story. He was baptized and confirmed at the age of 15 on an Easter Sunday. He had not been raised in the church, but his faith was ignited as he participated in a music program at a particular congregation. This led him to say he wanted to be baptized and confirmed, which led him to continue, you might say, his faith journey in a more formal way, a more formal fashion. Here's the thing. Kevin was always a child of God. Scott was always a child of God. I had always been a child of God. But that baptism is that outward sign, that action, that sacrament, which reminds us that we are loved and forgiven by God. Baptism is the sign that we are God's beloved sons and daughters 
forever. So I wonder how many of you know the story of your baptism? Today in our gospel lesson, we hear the story of Jesus' baptism. And Matthew records that Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, who's reluctant to, um, to do it because he knows Jesus is greater than him. But John does do it. And it's those last two verses which are kind of astonishing, which kind of gets your attention because they say, <clears throat> as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and at that moment the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove, and a voice said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And that voice, the way it's um, the voice, the way it is uh, heard in the Gospel of Matthew, it says, this is my beloved son. So it's like all people who were, here, or were there that day heard that voice. It wasn't just for Jesus, but it was for all people to hear that this person, this Jesus, was his beloved, one whom he cared so much about. And that is the story of the baptism of Jesus and here's what we know, that Jesus' ministry only begins after he's baptized. We know that with baptism, Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit to teach and to preach and to, <clears throat> to heal and to bring good news to all people. You might just say that baptism is the, uh, Jesus' baptism is the inauguration of his ministry in the world. Well, there are two important ideas I would like us to remember today. First is how the sto our stories of our baptisms really mirror the story of Jesus' baptism. Just like Jesus, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when we are baptized. We lay hands on the child at that moment and, and say, you know, Spirit, uh, the Spirit of the Lord be upon you, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And just like Jesus, we're told we're God's beloved children. And just like Jesus, this baptism empowers us for our ministry in the world. So next time that you're at church and you get to witness a baptism, I encourage you to listen for the words that promise that the Spirit is given. I encourage you to listen for the words where the baptized is called the beloved child of God. And I encourage you to look for the place where the newly baptized is empowered for ministry. I really love the last few lines of our baptismal liturgy, which remind the newly baptized that they are called to be workers in the kingdom of God. The pastor says something like this, Harvey, child of God, let your light so shine before others that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Or they said something like this to Sophia, child of God, you know, let your light so shine before others, or Julia, or Becky, or uh, Bob, or Don. You know, all of us have been given that charge to let our light so shine before others that they might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Just like Jesus, after our baptism, our work in the world begins in full. We are called to be light in dark places. We are called to be instruments of God's peace. The second idea I would like us to remember is that before Jesus begins his ministry, God says to him, 
you are my beloved. And truly, that is the same for us too. Before Jesus proves to be the faithful son of God by resisting the devil in the wilderness, before he begins to do ministry, God declares his unconditional love for him. Being God's beloved son fundamentally defines who Jesus is. And accordingly, Jesus does not do God's work in order to earn God's love. Instead, divine love is what motivates and sustains Jesus' ministry of love to those who are hurting or broken and even to those who will hurt him. It seems like Matthew's gospel in particular highlights the hostile nature of the world that Jesus came to save. Herod threatens Jesus' life from the moment he's born so that God directs Joseph to take his wife and Jesus to Egypt for refuge. And when Herod can't find Jesus, he kills all the children near his age in that birthplace, we're told in Matthew's gospel. So despite the serenity of our little nativity scenes that are in our homes, Jesus' early days are characterized, at least by Matthew, of not only needing divine protection and a caring family, but there's this irrational violence that seeks to destroy him and others. Before Jesus can save anyone else, he first needs to be saved. It's important to view Jesus' baptism and the proclamation of divine sonship and favor in this context. For you see, being God's beloved does not, son does not spare Jesus from many trials and injustices of the human life. But being grounded in his true identity as God's beloved son, this strengthens him for ministry. This helps him face the many challenges that come with his ministry and that really just come with life. And finally, this fact that he is God's beloved helps Jesus endure all things so he can bring new life and healing to the world. Well, this isn't just true for Jesus, though. This is true for all of us. So today, I want you to hear God's baptismal promise to you and to us as God's people. I want you to hear again that we are God's beloved. Our worth and our identity come from this abundant love, this grace upon grace we hear about. Remember that divine love, well, it fuels your ministry. Rest in the truth that God's unconditional love is for all people and then go share that with others. And then remember that we are called and claimed by God. And that same spirit who anointed Jesus at his baptism, well, that spirit is upon you and it continually empowers you for service in the world. I hope you feel that you are God's beloved. But I also hope you feel, gosh, we have work to do. Amen. <laughs>